singers, musicians. Jonah 1.1, if you have your Bibles today. Jonah 1.1. And want to read from the Word of God, from the book of Jonah. Tremendous text, lots of great sermons to come out of the book of Jonah. Jonah 1.1. We'll, uh, we'll come to that verse of Scripture in a moment. Jonah 1.1. Just thinking about our disciple outreaches and um, team outreaches that have been on recently. What a great dynamic that we have. What a great vessel for saving souls of our city. People whose lives, we meet people whose lives are empty and broken and we're reaching out to them. And we are part of, whether you realize it or not, we are part of a great dynamic, a powerful move of God. All over the world, people are outreaching and evangelizing, and it works. It really does work. I, passed, I heard a story, Pastor Joe Campbell told a story about how we have a church, Potter's House Church in Siberia. He said in Siberia, they outreach, it's minus 40 degrees every week. And they go on the streets and they do outreach in minus 40 degrees. They see people saved. And uh, he said recently they planted a church into the capital city of Siberia called um, Novosibirsk, something like that. You have to get the pronunciation correct, but in the capital of Siberia, we planted a church. And, uh, you know, here we are in the resort city of, of Ursville. Every one of us, listen, every one of us should be on outreach with nothing to complain about. Minus 40 degrees, I can't even imagine that. And, uh, you know, uh, the, I saw a picture from Siberia. They were walking on the, um, walking on the uh, sidewalk level with the roof of the cars on snow. That's some serious snow. Level with the roofs of the cars, the people are walking. That's some serious snow. Give me the sot, the, the, let me say that. Give me the hot Sydney summer weather. <laughs> the hot Sydney summer weather any day. Amen. We want to make, I want to make an obvious statement to you this morning. Listen, if you want the church to grow, if you want this church to grow, we must evangelize and we must see soul, souls one and saved and genuine converts raised up and people restored. So I want to preach a sermon this morning. It's called This Great City. We have a great city. How many know that? Great city. I want to preach this great city. Read Jonah 1. One to three, it has those words, that great city. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare, went down into it, and to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Amen. Let's look firstly this morning at this great city. Because when we read this text, we must ask ourselves, why does God repeatedly call Nineveh that great city? It is clear when I read the scripture, it is clear that God sees Nineveh one way and Jonah sees Nineveh another way altogether. 
And I wonder this morning, how do you view our great city? How do you view Hurstville, the Hurstville and surrounding suburbs and surrounding areas? I wonder what sort of um, um, adjectives you use to describe it. I wonder what's your vision for this city? What's your vision for this region, for this southern region? I wonder what do you think about this great city? Maybe you think about crowds, traffic. I know, I know people who come to, to Sydney just visiting, people who come up from Canberra and they say, oh, the crowds, the traffic, how do you handle this? How do you live like this? I say, it's just the way we like it. Maybe you think about difficult parking. Maybe you think about certain nationalities here. I wonder, what, what is it? What do you really think about this great city? You know, I've been to cities where you can't drink water. I've been to cities that are so crowded. I've been to cities where it's so crowded you can't move on the footpath. Where there's a cow sitting right there. And, you, and the, there's so many people you have to walk out on the road to walk around. The cows are sitting on the road and it makes a traffic jam. I've been to cities where, you, where it's so hot you can't breathe at times. Other places it's so cold like Siberia, minus 40. Some places you can't eat the food without great risk of food poisoning because things are so dirty. Other places there's a language barrier. There's a culture shock of all kinds of uh, things and issues. So why did God call Nineveh at least four times, God uh, says, this great city? And I believe he's making the point of what he thinks of humanity. Again, the question remains though, what do you call this great city? What do you call this city? Because this is critical to your faith and your vision and having an impact, your ability to have an impact in this city. Uh, you know, in the natural, Nineveh is the capital city of the Syrian Empire. And it's first mentioned in the book of Genesis 10.8, says, Cush begot Nimrod, and he began to be, uh, be a mighty one on the earth. And this was the beginning of the kingdom of Babel, and from that land, he went from there into Syria to build Nineveh. This city was built, listen, this city was built in rebellion towards God. It's wealthy. If you know anything about Nineveh, it's wealthy. It's prosperous. They have all the arts and the sports and they have income. Listen, this is true in our city as well. This is true in many great cities around the world. You, know, you just drive past the SCG, you'll see a sea, an absolute sea of humanity. People everywhere enjoying the riches of first world nations. See, Nineveh was the first city to ever have a postal service. Indoor toilets, paved roads. They say there was a hundred gates to the city. It was flooded with merchants from all over Asia coming to sell their goods. They had linen and iron and perfume and various luxuries of life. They had a library. They had a, a flat brick tablets that they would write on, recorded the history of the city. And we can talk about this city and our city that the world looks at. All, you know, all around the world, people look at the city of Sydney and they're oh, awesome place. 
They clap and applaud, but underneath the veneer of every city, including Nineveh and Sydney, is a city wicked to the bone. There's idolatry, there's perversion, witchcraft is rampant. I recently read about witchcraft in Brightonly Sands. It's not far from here. Let me read you a little snippet. It said, Sydney Witchcraft Group is a place where you can feel at home with your spiritual beliefs, where you can feel accepted by other like-minded lunatics. I added that in. <laughs> other like-minded people on a simil similar spiritual path. People who want to gather to learn about witchcraft, wicca, spellcraft and ritual. We want to sit in a circle to celebrate the full moon espats and the seasonal sabbats. It's time to put the books down. It's time to start experiencing the magic. Activities we may explore include divination, tarot reading, scrying, whatever that is, spells, ritual, runes, myth, meditation, candle magic, moon magic, alchemy, crystal energy, healing, chanting, drumming, dancing, kitchen witchery, herb craft, gods, goddesses, women's mysteries, and dream work. Right in our backyard. Nahum 1.1 says, The burden against Nineveh. Nahum 3.1.3, Woe of the city of Nineveh. Woe to the bloody city. It is all full of lies and robbery. Its victim never departs. The noise of a whip and the noise of rattling wheels, of galloping horses, of clattering chariots, horsemen, charged with bright sword and glittering spear. There is a multitude of slain, a great number of bodies, countless corpses. They stumble over the corpses. Nahum 3, 4 and 6 says, Because of the multitude of harlotries of seductive harlot, the, the mysteries of sorcery, who sells nations through her harlotries and families uh, through her sorceries. Listen, this is true of Nineveh. This is also true of our city. People come into our city cursed, broken, filled with the spirit of death, having been involved in violence and crime and gangs and drugs and all sorts of problems. Tragic, broken lives, people in debt, people reckless, people who are fatherless, so many fatherless. And we all know people like that who are desperately trying to find some kind of meaning and fulfillment in life and some kind of purpose in life. You know, Nineveh is like so many cities in Australia today. Outwardly look so good. Got all the arts, the sports, the stadiums, the cafes, the beaches, the schools, the education, the science. But to all that, God says in Nahum 3.5, Behold, I am against you. Behold, I am against you, says the Lord of hosts. Listen, it says, I will lift your skirts over your face. I will show the nations your nakedness and your kingdoms and the kingdoms, your shame. And there is this wicked aspect to uh, the nature of humanity. You just think about uh, the, the gay Mardi Gras. Prostitution, drunkenness, and God says it's a shame to humanity. Nahum 3.6 says, I will cast abominable filth upon you and make you vile and make you a spectacle. The world over watches the gay Mardi Gras. 
gay Mardi Gras every year and it seems to be the focus of every major city around the world, a spectacle for debauchery and ungodliness. And God has placed you and I right in the middle of that for a good reason. To rescue sinners. Not to be part of it, but to be separate and to rescue people from them in this great city. Let's look secondly at this great people. Whilst underneath every city is wickedness and pain, the real issue is God has placed people, you and I, good people, in fact, let me say great people, ambassadors, representatives, and a mouthpiece of the gospel in a city that underneath is full of wickedness and debauchery. The real issue, though, is your heart and mind towards the people of the city. And again, the, the, the reason why I ask the question how you view this city is because it has a big impact on your ability to have an impact in this city. How we view the city is important because it will make all the difference. We see this play out when people go out to pioneer. People have gone to pioneer and they, you know, I'm speaking to them sometime later, a, a year later, a year or two later, and they have very little going on. And I say, you know, how's the, how's the city? You know, they're there in the place. How's this city? And they, they, they don't ever actually say, I hate this place. But what they're saying is, I hate this place. I hate the people here and I hate, the, I hate this place and it's difficult and it's hard and this is a problem and this is a problem and this is a problem. And what they're saying is, I hate this place. There's obviously nothing going on. God says about Nineveh, this great city, and I put this man in this great city. You know, I wonder when you drive through this city, when you go through this city of Hurstville, when you walk through the mall, when you go to the shops, do you ever look at people and are so moved by their brokenness, by their loneliness, or are you just too busy? Do you know you can be so busy in ministry you don't have time for people? You ask yourself, when was the last time you really had a genuine Holy Ghost witness because you were led by God. I mean, not, not, not because it's on the calendar. Because you were led by God and you looked at people with such compassion. And that you talked to them with sincerity about the condition of their soul because you want to help them. The waiters and the waitresses at the shops that you go to. The shop owners. School friends and school parents. Do you ever look at them and think, are so moved by the condition of their soul that you just you want to talk to them, you want to help them? Maybe people walking by the church. You know, we have this, I guess we call it a ministry, it's called Point. We have each month, each of the Bible study teams take it in terms of having someone out on the street front for this very reason because there are perhaps people walking by. You know, there's, there's a few people that have come into our church just walking by. I wonder how many others are just walking by. You know, the harvest, the Bible says the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. We know that scripture. Our fellowship is built on personal evangelism, outreach and witnessing and a call to a great city. 
You see, the real greatness of any city is its people. Nineveh's exceedingly great city, a three-day journey, they say, across the city, perhaps 60 miles across the city. The Bible tells us that it says 120,000 uh, would be there. Um, and it said Nineveh, that great city of 120,000 persons who could not discern their right hand from their left. And some say that this was probably more than likely the children. And uh, that because Nineveh uh, is recorded as having some 600,000 people. But listen, I, uh, the, the whole point of that is to say this, that ministry is always about people. It's always about people. We can get caught up in the mechanics and we forget it's about people. It's about the people. Cities are about people and what you think about your city determines your ability to have an influence with people. See, many churches are filled with people that nobody else cares about. The fatherless, the homeless, the broken. And again, when was the last time you showed sincere compassion for the people of this great city? When did you last take somebody out for lunch? Invite them to your home. Be hospitable. You see, one of the dangers of house-to-house ministry is that you do it because you're on the list. Otherwise, you stay with your own little clique of friends. People can come into the church and be all alone. You see, people come to church and they're not just looking for Jesus. Take this in the right context. People come to church and they're not just looking for Jesus. They are looking for someone to demonstrate the love of God in human form. To demonstrate the love of God in human form so they can have, uh, they can see the heart of God They can see the love of God that comes through people. You know, Jesus declared his ministry in Luke 4, 18 and 19. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Do you know you can have another spirit? I wonder today whose spirit is upon you. See, there are different spirits. There's the spirit of the world. There's the spirit of the flesh. There's carnality. But Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me. And then he begins to declare this great audience. This great audience. The poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the blind and the oppressed. And he says, this is why I came to the earth to seek and save that which is lost. I wonder today how many people just walked by your life. How many people at school? How many people at work? How many people just walked by this building? One witness could change that person's life. And who knows? And such were some of you. Aren't you glad that somebody told you about Jesus? Somebody told you about Jesus in this great city. And uh, because great cities are because of people... uh, And like so many in the book of Joel, people are in the valley of decision. You know, Jeremiah is aware of this truth and he sees his generation. Jeremiah 9.1 says, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I may weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. And Jesus said in Luke 19.41-42, Now he 
As he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you especially in this day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. You see, the Bible is filled with this kind of statement. And I wonder this morning, can you hear the heart of God for this city? Can you hear the heart of God? It's here that God gives this call to Jonah. The Bible says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. I wonder, can the word of the Lord come to your life? Can the word of the Lord come to you today? Go to Nineveh, this great city. He says, arise, get up. Don't just sit here. Don't be a spectator anymore. This is an intense word in the Hebrew. It's a word of urgency. It means stir yourself. It means I can't believe you're not responding to this. Don't you see what I see? See, God sees this great city, but he needs you and I to respond. Jonah 3, 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach, it, preach the message that I tell you. I wonder this morning, what will it take? How many times does God have to speak to you? What is God saying to you today? Maybe he would say to you, don't just be a spectator. Every person can have a part in this. Amen. Let's look lastly at this great response. You know, every revival all around the world, every nation, every revival is birthed out of people saying yes to God. Because this is the problem. This is the problem. If you say no, listen, Jonah got up. Jonah got up, but he rose to flee. And he went to a, in a different direction. So he had a calloused heart and he became thick skin and no longer moved. The question is, can God still move you to the harvest field? Or have you already built a case? I can't do it. I'm too old. I'm too young. I've done my time. It's someone else's turn. And maybe you've built a case and disqualified yourself. Or do you still have a heart for God? See, we talk about cities. We talk about nations. We talk about people. But it really begins with the person next door. The people in this great city. Before you find another great city. And I wonder how many people, again, have you truly witnessed to? Because if you have, doesn't it feel great? Witness to somebody, have them receive Jesus. It feels great. Listen, it will cure most of your personal ills. You feel depressed? Go witness to somebody. Feel discouraged? Go tell somebody about what Jesus has done in your life. Have marriage problems? Take your husband, your wife by the hand and go, on, go, go, tell, go knock on your neighbor's door, hand in hand. And say, listen, we want to tell you what Jesus has done in our lives. You'd be amazed at how insignificant your little problems become and how your marriage will look so good. You know, there is, there's an anointing on that. And the grace of God and there's nothing better than to tell someone about Jesus and being in a church is actually, actually, actually and actively reaching their city and being on outreach. People coming in every service, we're in anticipation of who God will bring. We're looking to see who is going to come. 
can change your whole concept of church and what God is going to do in people's lives. Our text says twice that Jonah arose and he fled from the presence of the Lord. See, Jonah doesn't just say no. He runs to something else in life. And this is always the case. People who say no to God always say yes to something else. Jonah, he runs from God's presence and this is what happens when you say no to God and don't make evangelism the focus of your life. Jonah takes a ship to Tarshish. Listen, the world will always facilitate your excuses when you're not going to do the will of God. This can be as simple as something as, something as simple as street outreach, prayer, calling, pioneering. And the Bible says that he went down and he paid the fare. I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. It's interesting how much people are willing to pay to run from the will of God. People running. Listen, running from God is never cheap. It's never cheap and it's never easy, yet people are willing to lose it all rather than do the will of God. To read the last chapter of Jonah's life, it's a tragic story. Something happens in your heart when you consistently resist God's call to evangelize. And we know Jonah doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to go, but begrudgingly he goes and something happens in his heart. And we read the last, the end of the book of Jonah. Here's Jonah. He's gone into Nineveh. He's seen a tremendous revival. I mean, breakout revival that most pastors, people, anyone who has a heart for God would give, their, give an arm and a leg for. I mean, the people, the sinners are praying and fasting. It's tremendous breakout revival. And here's Jonah. He's gone right through the city done a little and now at the end of Jonah we find Jonah sitting on a hill complaining and he's bitter the Bible says he's angry with God and then all of a sudden when you get to the end of Jonah the book of Jonah it's like the the book closes and the story ends see when you say no to evangelism and witnessing something happens in your heart that puts you in conflict with God See, our churches are filled with people who've been witnessed to in some way or another. And it's very easy to measure spirituality by your heart for the broken, by your heart for the lost, by your heart for the hurting. It's not measured in, your, in how you dress. It's not measured in your words. It's not measured in your, the fact you carry a Bible. You can measure your spirituality by your heart for the lost the unsaved people of this great city. I want to encourage you this morning. You'd say yes to God. Let God use you to reach people of this great city. Amen. Let's bow our heads this morning, close in a word of prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. We want to pray. Ask God to help us. This great city. I wonder this morning.